the spiritual realm is a very real place. And in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, God uses the story to teach us about this supernatural, if you will, spiritual realm, a realm where there are angels and demons, principalities of different ranks. See, brother, sister, this battle we fight, this race we run is not just about the physical things that we can physically touch and smell and hear around us. It is about a place much deeper. What we see in the spiritual realm here is not even the tip of the iceberg of the world that God has created. The world as we see it here is just the physical. But beyond the veil, there is a spiritual realm with spiritual entities of two different kingdoms, not more than two, not less than two, just two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness, where the enemy Hasatan resides and the kingdom of light, where God resides with his kingdom, a kingdom of goodness and a kingdom of evil. And so I would like us to start this teaching on this supernatural spiritual realm by opening up in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, where we will read about Daniel's special encounter with an angel. It starts with Daniel fasting for not one, not two, but three whole weeks. And during his fast, there was a lot of things that probably went through the mind of Daniel, things like you know, how long am I still going to have to fast? How long am I still going to need to pray? How long will I still need to mourn for an answer from God? Right? So these are emotions that run through many of our minds in the midst of seeking an answer or, or, or asking a question to God. When we're praying to him, we're waiting patiently for this answer. And then after the three weeks, an angel appears to him. And says the following, I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Upaz. His body was like beryl and his face as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as lamps of fire and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the man that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face and my face towards the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me on my knees and on the palms of my hands. So one of the first things that happen is Daniel fasts. He doesn't eat any bread. He doesn't drink any wine and he doesn't anoint himself at all. And after the three weeks is over, 21 days, an angel appears to him in a vision. Now, it's important to note what he said. He says 
The angel appeared to him alone and no one else, none of the other men who were with him. In fact, they saw no vision. They just felt a quaking, an earthquake, and that it made them hid and ran away. And so why is Daniel highlighting this to us? Why is it important for us to know that he was the only one to see the vision? It is because he is explaining to us the effect of fasting. Fasting is the act of building the spirit while disciplining the flesh. You see, when we deny our body of its desires, like Daniel did, of, for example, eating food. And so what we're in essence doing is we're looking at our flesh and we're saying, you are hungry right now, but I'm not going to give you anything to eat. And by, by, by doing that, we're telling our flesh who is in charge. We're telling our flesh that we have control and dominion over it and we will not be controlled by our flesh just aimlessly without any control. And so we're telling our flesh we have control. We're disciplining it. And in that we are practicing that act of discipline, which then allows the spirit, our spirit to to be stronger. So that enables us to then hear God better. You see, brothers and sisters, the word says that the carnal mind is at enmity with God. It does not want to do the things of God. It does not want to pray. It does not want to, you know, it can't hear from God. It actually wants to do the opposite of what God tells it, tells us to do. Our flesh is at enmity since the fall of man. And so now by disciplining the flesh, we can get it out of the way and thereby we can hear God's voice better. We can because this flesh is not loudly speaking anymore because we've disciplined it and told it who's in charge like Daniel did for those three whole weeks. Now he could hear God better. And that this is why he was the one who received this vision and not any of his associates. And this is why fasting is important in this way to hear from God. Because God is speaking here. Things are going on around us all the time, but we are blind to it because we live in our flesh. But when we fast, we can live in the spirit and hear from God better. This is also why Yeshua told his disciples to fast and pray when they were trying to cast out the demon, but they were unable to. Because when you fast and pray, you're stronger in the spirit, weaker in the flesh, and you're able to then have more authority in the spiritual realm. You see, imagine you having a volume to your voice in the spiritual realm. And when you fast and you get your spirit stronger and your flesh weaker, that volume is raised. The spiritual realm can hear you better. It's almost like you have more authority. And that is when why demons, it's like raising the volume on demons and they're listening and hearing you louder when you have fasted. That is why Yeshua said you need to fast to rid yourself of the unbelief and so that you can cast out the demon. Unbelief is inspired by our flesh. And so when we fast, we get the flesh out of the way. We get the unbelief out of the way and we're able to live in greater ways of belief. And so that is the reason why Daniel fasted and why we need to have a routine fast in our life. And I would encourage you, if possible at all to fast weekly. 
But so what we then see hereafter is we now see the angel appear in a vision to Daniel and then speak. And he gives us some valuable insight. The angel tells Daniel that he was dispatched from the first day of Daniel's prayers and fastings and that he is in essence three weeks late, but that he was held up by the prince of Persia. And really what he refers to is a demonic entity that was coming up against the angel to forbid him from going forth to do what he was commissioned to do by the father to go and help Daniel to strengthen him and to give him this vision and the other subsequent visions to follow. Daniel's angel said that he fought this prince of Persia and then another archangel Michael was sent to help him. And after Michael was sent to help him, they were able to win and come through to Daniel to deliver this message. Have you ever felt like you were praying, but it seems like nothing is happening at all? Well, this was most likely Daniel's situation or may how he might might have been feeling. Yet we need to understand that the spiritual realm is deep and there is a reason for prayer. Prayer and fasting is basically like giving authority to the kingdom of light in our life. Oftentimes we give authority to the kingdom of darkness without even realizing it through sin and other actions. And but when we pray and we ask for God's help, we are in essence dispatching angels to our help to come and guard us, help us, strengthen us, give us messages, wisdom, knowledge, understanding and many other things to help our current dire situations. And so always keep in mind that when you're praying about something, especially something big, it may be that God has already dispatched the angel the moment you started praying, like in the case of Daniel. But yet you need to start pulling, pushing through, continue pushing through so that until the angel can reach your situation to help you. You see, brothers and sisters, what would have happened if Daniel gave up on prayer fasting after one week? or after two weeks, his lack of faith in that situation may have been enough to stop the angel in its tracks. But yet he continued praying and fasting until the situation was resolved. And so brothers and sisters, in that way, we need to exercise prayer and fasting in our life and be patient, continue to push through to see God's kingdom manifest in your life. Through prayer and fasting, we allow the kingdom of light to withstand the kingdom of darkness in our life. For example, Yeshua was in the wilderness for 40 days. And in that place, the scriptures say he was tempted by the devil, by Hasatan. So basically he was being tempted by the kingdom of darkness, but through his prayer, fasting, study of scripture, knowledge of scripture, he was able to combat the lies of the enemy and the enemy fled. And so similarly, if we want to see the enemy flee, fasting and prayer and our knowledge of the scripture is what will help us to see that come to fruition. When the angel came, he touched Daniel and he was strengthened by it. 
And so when you feel weak, when you feel like you're being trampled over by the enemy, just be patient, continue pressing through in prayer. And it might take longer than three weeks. It might take a while, but in your waiting, be proactive, be to be in a position where you're willing to grow and allow God to teach you what you need to learn in that situation and then pray and fast so that you can overcome the enemy in that way. Spiritual warfare is a reality. It's not some abstract idea or thing. In this story that we just read in Daniel chapter 10, we also see other important elements to the story that are important to understand. For example, we read that there was a prince of Persia that Daniel's angel was up against. This indicates that there is rank. A prince, for example, is higher than a normal soldier. And so that is truly the case in the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We have different ranks. What war is there that is fought without any ranks in the military? Would that military not be completely disorganized and, you know, unable to move and execute orders effectively? Of course, they, no military, no war was ever won with a military without rank. And so it's important to understand that the military, if you will, of the kingdom of darkness and God's kingdom is our militaries of order. They are organized to execute orders. And so similarly, the kingdom, the demons that we see or know about, they have ranks. There are demons over territories and there are demons over nations, over governments, over lands. There are demons said to be over certain sins, demons of lust, demons of thievery, demons of all the kinds of sins that you can think about in territories, for example, we often find that when we enter a new home or a place that was not ours, but someone else was in it before us. And let's just say they practiced witchcraft in there. Oftentimes we'll find that there are there are dem demonic presences in this home that need to be cast out. And oftentimes we find that even if believers enter a home like that, that the, the home needs to be cleansed. We need to cast out the demons out of that territory if we are now if we now have legal right to it. And so, brothers and sisters, that's one case. I remember when, you know, I was young, I received these crazy nightmares, night terrors as a young boy. And we were still very, you know, um, babies in the faith. I was still a young boy. You know, my, my parents were all still growing. And, and I remember my mother just kept getting this picture that the father was showing her about a, an, a wooden idol that she had got as decoration in her home. It wasn't because she was worshiping it. It wasn't because it was anything of value in, in, relig in a religious way, but it was an idol uh, to the pagans that she unknowingly at that point in her life bought and brought into the home. The father put it on her heart and she burned it up. And after burning the idol, my night terrors stopped overnight completely night terrors, which were so horrible that I was afraid of going to sleep so horrible that, you know, I would be getting demons in my dreams come up to try and scare me. So 
That is one example of demons that are that were assigned over territories or that get authority over a territory because of something like witchcraft. Demons are also set over individuals like me and you or someone especially who is in sin. We see, for example, this firsthand with Paul, where he talks about the messenger of Satan that was appointed over him. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7. So we see that Paul himself had a messenger of Satan that harassed him and that irritated him. This messenger was probably Paul's extreme persecution that he experienced, um, as we read in the chapter previous to this statement. We also see the example of familiar spirits. This is the kind of thing that you'll see when if you were to go to someone who were to do uh, witchcraft in terms of fortune telling. What they will tell you is that they can communicate to your grandmother or someone else who has passed away in your family. This is, of course, a lie. It is impossible to speak to the dead. They are passed through the veil. They are, you cannot speak to them anymore for they are asleep. They are not conscious. OK, they are not conscious. It's not possible to sleep, speak to someone who is sleeping. All right. So now what is actually happening in these cases? is simply that you are speaking into a demon. People who practice the occult think they are often speaking to an actual family member. But in reality, they're simply speaking to demons who have impersonated a family member. The reality is, is that demons are around us. They see what we do. They see how we act. They and so they know a lot of things about us, especially to those who are not believers. And so what demons will then do is when we are they are called up by those in the occult, they will impersonate a grandmother or a grandfather or a great great grandmother or someone who has passed away. And they will act like that person, say the things that person would say just to lure someone in further into the occult until they're in a place where they can be where the demon can then backstab them in essence and cause more cursings to come upon them because they're giving the demon more authority by their conversings with this demon. We see in many African religions, for example, I come out of South Africa where there is a lot of ancestor worship. Okay. In other words, people will worship their ancestors. They think their ancestors are alive or their ancestors can speak to them, but they're completely deceived. They're just speaking to demons, impersonating their ancestors. Another thing important to understand about the kingdom of darkness is that it is a kingdom of counterfeit. In other words, Satan will try to use everything that God has given us that is good and try and twist it on its head to use for evil. Think about, for example, the country of China. We know that China often takes original products and changes it and copies it, makes a counterfeit and tries to make money off of it in that way. And oftentimes what we see in the products that China would produce is that we lose the quality. The, while the product becomes easier to acquire 
and also it actually oftentimes hurts the image of the original brand it is copying because of this loss of quality. And so that's exactly what the kingdom of darkness tries to do. It copies what God has given us that is good. It gives us a lower quality version that is dangerous and unsafe while making it easier to acquire. So instead of holy living, you can live in an unholy way and still the enemy then comes and he gives you the world and it, it seems all nice and pretty, right? And all this then hurts the image of the original thing that the father has given us. For example, the Kundalini spirit is a spirit that is a demon, but masquerades as an angel of light and acts like the Holy Spirit. And the main reason that the whole, the Kundalini evil spirit, this unclean spirit does that is because it tries to hurt the image of the Holy Spirit. It tries to cause so much confusion that people don't know what is right and wrong anymore. Doesn't know, don't know what is the Holy Spirit and what is not the Holy Spirit anymore. And then people get hurt and then they don't want anything to do with the actual Holy Spirit of God. For example, they would not pursue the Holy Spirit spiritual gifts. They won't pursue um, prophecy or the gift of healing or any of these things if they've gotten in touch with a false spirit that has tried to masquerade as the Holy Spirit. Just like China, the, the kingdom of darkness has now succeeded in actually hurting the image of what the true Holy Spirit of God is and what he tries to do. You just think also about Pharaoh and the um, when he there was that showdown in the story of the Exodus where Moses had the staff that turned into a snake and Pharaoh's uh, occultists had the same thing. They also had were able to have snakes come up. But what happened is God's snake ate theirs. So we see that there were snakes, the copying there were while well, God had snakes, the kingdom of darkness also copied and tried to have snakes too. But God's Holy Spirit, God's kingdom is always stronger and able to defeat. But but what the kingdom of darkness tries to do is create a counterfeit that confuses us because it can oftentimes look just as nice or look similar to the kingdom of light. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He acts as one. He has the appearance of one. However, we can know the difference by the fruits. Yeshua, Jesus Christ says that you will know them by their fruits. And so when we look at the works, the actual works of the uh, actual product, like in China, we would have a, a, a product and we will find that it is lower quality and therefore it doesn't work as well as the original would work. And so that that is one of the ways we can see it is a fake product, right? When it doesn't do or work as well as the original does, it doesn't have the same functionality. And so in the same way, that is exactly how we tell the difference in the kingdom of God is we can see that a spirit or a demon does not possess the same fruit as the Holy Spirit would. We would see that someone who is filled with a demon or who is not filled with the Holy Spirit will not have good fruit. 
A tree, you can tell the tree by its fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And so that is how we can tell the difference. The last thing that we see, for example, in products from China that we can correlate with how the kingdom of darkness operates is simply that they often do not abide by the regulations or the laws that are often abided by by other countries. For example, we have often we have had often cases of child slave labor happening in these factories, right? They're breaking the laws that would often be in place in other Western countries. The same way what Satan does in his kingdom as he does not abide by any of the laws or the regulations set out by God. God has set out regulations for us on how to live a life pleasing to him. And he has set it out for our protection as well. For example, he said, do not practice witchcraft. He did it because even though it is possible to practice witchcraft, even though it is possible to speak to demons and possible to interact with the spiritual realm in certain ways, God has prohibited it from his children because with it, there are inherent dangers involved. While the kingdom of darkness would promote it, the kingdom of light forbids it. God does not allow us to speak to spirits or do other occultic practices, which I will go through in a minute. New Age practices have now infiltrated the Western world and are now almost everywhere in various forms, most of which look completely innocent and not and completely divorced from the original roots of the New Age. The New Age from top to bottom is inherently occult practices and all the authors of the New Age theologies are occultists. If you do your research, you will find this. And so some of the practices we see, for example, that have crept in and are very common in the New Age now are simple things that look innocent, like meditation. Meditation is the act of visualizing or clearing your mind of all things completely and just, you know, sitting there for long amounts of time in silence. However, God said in his word, meditation is not the way he says, in fact, rather in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God says we take our thoughts captive, not let them go to do wander off and do whatever it wants to do. And you just you just let whatever thought enter your mind through meditation, taking in nature and whatever else they would tell you. That's not how it works. God said you need to take your thoughts captive and audit your thoughts. Brothers and sisters, we need to understand that your thoughts aren't just your own. You have your own thoughts. You have thoughts that the enemy comes to try and plant and you have God's thoughts. And we need to audit and take captive every thought to see whether it passes the test of bearing good fruit and in being in line with the word of God. And if it does, then we can allow that fruit, that thought to flourish. But if it does not, we need to let it perish. 
That's the difference. You see, brothers and sisters, here's the thing, though, is if you don't understand the word of God, you won't be able to know his voice. You won't be able to know what is the thoughts of God, the words of God that come to whisper in your ear versus the works of the kingdom of darkness and Satan himself. You cannot discern it if you don't have the word of God in your heart. It's like you will know my voice. You will realize who, what PD's voice sounds like, right? When you've heard my voice before. Now, the next time you hear my voice, you will recognize this is PD's voice. And in the same way, when you read the scriptures, we read the Bible, you read the teachings of our father. When he comes with his voice and speaks to you, you will recognize his voice because you've heard it before in your Bible. But the enemy will try to whisper things of fear to put fear in you. He will try and tell you you're worthless. He'll tell you you don't have value. He'll you will start having suicidal thoughts. You will have depression. You will have all these things that start coming into your life because when it starts with allowing a thought in, it starts with allowing a thought to pass through your filtration system because you're not taking your thoughts captive or you don't have a filter because you don't have the word of God in you. And now these thoughts start becoming to start flourishing and it becomes your reality because you give it attention and thereby authority in your life. And now you have given authority to a demon in your life that has infiltrated you instead of simply giving all authority to God because you reject the enemy. The word says that when you reject Satan, he will flee from you. That is how it works. He cannot stay in your midst if you reject him. But if you're not listening for him, he will come through and he will manifest in your life. Other new age practices that we can find in our modern time that are very prevalent today and also include astral projection or outer body experiences where people will attempt to exit their bodies to interact with the spiritual realm outside of them. And they will then explain how they have interacted with good and bad spirits and things like this. This is, however, not true. What the enemy tries to do is he tries to make it appear that there are more than two kingdoms in this world. He will try to make it appear that there is a good and evil kind of evil spirit. In essence, he will make you try and make you think that there is good witchcraft, bad witchcraft. Good spirits, bad spirits. And that is what those in the occult are often convinced of. And those in witchcraft, that there are good and bad spirits at play. The reality is, though, is that all spirits that you will be interacting with, if you were to go into witchcraft, will be bad spirits. Some will masquerade as good spirits and as angels of light, and some will just act bad as the way they are. This is to cause more confusion in those who practice the occult so that they actually are convinced and deceived to think there is there there are on the good side or on the bad side. And that's why we have white and black magic. This is all just stuff that are that is the enemy trying to create a good and bad image of things while everything is in essence on that side, just bad all the way through. The only good thing is the kingdom of God, God himself, Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And you cannot reach God through witchcraft. You reach the father through the ways that he have said and the regulations and laws he have laid out in his word. And witchcraft is not the way. 
We get him by simply praying and asking and speaking to him. And when we do and through reading our scriptures, that is how we can speak to the father. We pray to the father alone through the son. We don't pray to angels. We don't pray to dead people like often found in the Catholic religion. We don't pray to anything else except God, the father himself through his son, Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Angel worship and all these other things or other pitfalls that the enemy has created. We worship God and God alone. Nothing else. No true angel of God would even allow you to worship them because and we see that throughout scripture. When a man has come to see an angel of God and they try to worship the angel, the angel would forbid them to continue. It is only demons that will allow you to worship them because they do not give honor to the glory of God. The only one who truly receive, deserves the worship that we have. Crystal usage, the idea that you can purify your energy systems through crystals and other stones that you can get is also not a teaching ever outlined in the scriptures, ever encouraged at all. In fact, it's a practice that can be found in no Christian circles throughout history, except for those in pagan worship. Pagan practices have it throughout both in witchcraft, occultic witchcraft, as well as in paganism, as well in Wiccans, etc. They use crystals. They think that they can summon energies and things like that. In essence, what the energies are that they talk about, it comes back to them. It's simply being demons yet again, that these are demons that are summoned by because these people think that rocks can do that. And because they put faith and belief in a rock that can summon these energies. In fact, yes, then demons are summoned. And so that is another pagan practice, not of God. And then one of the last doctrines is that of Christ consciousness. And of course, this is one that especially becomes confusing and messy because they try and bring Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah into this idea that he was someone who attained Christ consciousness and that we can also get to that level through pagan or new age practices. This is, of course, a lie. Yeshua, Jesus's teachings were in contradiction to all pagan um, teachings. In fact, the idea of Christ consciousness teaches that we are to become like God or you are a God and God is an everything. You are an everything. God is an everything. You are like God, etc. And you are you can become to a higher God if you follow the doctrines of this new age um, of the new age practices. And so brothers and sisters, this is another tactic of the enemy to tr they call it things like um, enlightenment, right? And that they make it seem like something very wonderful and beautiful, just like in the garden. Didn't the enemy say the same thing to Adam and Eve? I will make you like God, right? Even though they were already created in the image of God himself. Brothers and sisters, let Yeshua has, has come for you. God has come for you. God has come to get us back. He has come to die to get us back. We do not need to follow some other formula that Satan has laid out to become like God. God has made us beautiful in his image and he has made us well. And he said when he made us, it is good. 
And so we don't need to figure something else out to reach this higher place of enlightenment. In reality, the closest to God that you could ever get is through the pursuit of him is through following Yeshua himself, Jesus Christ himself. That is the way that you get close to God. That is the way you can become more like him is by following his example and following the word that he has given us, following the scriptures he has given us. It is not through some witchcraft practice. And in fact, true healing, true deliverance, true um, freedom comes through Yeshua and following God in that way. Not in there has been no deliverance, no freedom, no true permanent healing that has ever come from occultic practices. In fact, people are just in more bondage than they've ever been before when they enter such practices. But you will never read about it in these journals and in these the on in the media because they will never they never want to tell you about that they just want to tell you about all the good things meditation can do for you and all these other and things like yoga can do for you but they never talk about the consequences that have even been scientifically proven to be there our battle is not against flesh and blood but against higher principalities and powers of this present age an age where there is a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. And we, God is calling people to be warriors in his kingdom, to destroy the kingdom of darkness, to fight it, to bring freedom. Brothers and sisters, you have the ability, you have a temple, an ability to house the Holy Spirit in you. A the spirit of God, which can work in and through you, just like in Jesus and Yeshua to bring freedom and deliverance to many people. You are able to live in freedom and deliverance yourself from all that is horrible in this world in terms of depression, suicidal thoughts, feelings of unfulfillment, fear, right? All of these horrible things that we that we face in this world. God comes and he provides a path of freedom from it. And so will you be take that path of freedom? Will you decide to follow God himself? God is the creator of heavens and earth. Follow him. He is the one who can bring true freedom. And so if you feel like you want to follow Jesus Christ, also known as Yeshua, the Messiah, as, as his Hebrew name, if you want to follow him, it's as easy as beginning with a prayer and asking him into your life, but then also going into a church or a Bible study or a place or a place where you can learn the word of God. And you should you need to be then getting a Bible to learn his word, to get it inside you so you can understand the regulations that God has given us which is for our benefit and our protection and our freedom. And when we read his love letter to us, in essence, there we become more like him and we can start. We can turn from sin, that very thing that takes us away from God, that separates us from him. And so I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. But then also it doesn't just end. It's not just about praying a prayer. It's not just a prayer that alone saves you. You need to have put your faith in him. That means you 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 start with a prayer, but you continue in a change of lifestyle in your works. You turn from sin. You turn from the breaking of the instruction of that God has given us the beautiful um, words of him. 
when we turn from that, we become more like him and we are able to then walk in freedom because the cursings of this life actually comes very often from us breaking the instructions that the father has given us. So if you want to follow Yeshua, come and pray this with me. Father, Lord, we come to you, Jesus. We come to you for our sins. Yeshua, we come to you for our sins and we ask that you would come into us, Lord. Come with your spirit, Lord. Come and touch us right now, Lord. And I pray, Lord, we repent of our sins. Lord, everything we have done that has been against you, that has been that has been against your kingdom, that has been sin, that has been displeasing to you. Father, we come with that now and we repent of everything we have done, all the witchcraft that we have ever participated in, whether it was drugs that we took, whether it was a ritual we partook in, whether it was astral projection, meditation, yoga, tarot card readings, fortune telling, speaking to the dead. Lord, all these things we come to you with now in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, and we repent of it. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. We thank you that you are merciful to forgive us when we turn from it. And so, Father, we will turn from it this day. Lord, we make the statement. We make the stand and we say we will no longer partake in any of that Father, because we want to follow you and we can only follow you. And when we stop with those things. And so, Father, we give it up, Lord, right now in the name of Yeshua. And Lord, we ask Yeshua that you would come into our life, change us in, from the inside out and teach us your, who you are in your ways. Father, teach us your truth. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me in the name of Yeshua. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer and you want to follow him, I encourage you to contact Rise on Fire, the ministry and get plugged in to an assembly of believers somewhere where there are people who are good and who have a heart for him.